The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. Today, we will be talking about taking the mysteries out of Medicare, things that you or your parents may need to know. My guest is Danielle Kunkel. And she is a founding partner of Boomer Benefits, a family-owned agency that has specialized in Medicare-related insurance products since 2005. Serving thousands of Medigap policyholders in over 40 states, Boomer Benefits has been awarded the prestigious AARP Aetna Service Superstar Award. As an expert in the Medicare sector, Danielle has spoken about Medicare and healthcare reform for hundreds of employer groups, agent chapters, hospitals, and community organizations. And maybe I'll tell you more about her later. You can find her company online at boomerbenefits.com. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Okay. Um, I'm happy to be talking with you about Medicare today because I'm old enough to know a lot of people who are themselves or on behalf of their children, uh, on behalf of their parents, are trying to understand the enrollment process and what's covered and what it costs and so on and so forth. All the things that Mm -hmm. you can tell us about. Okay, terrific. So, certainly a lot of people find Medicare very confusing. What can you tell me about that? Um, I think the reason that folks get confused about Medicare is because you spend most of your your life working and our health care for many decades in America has been provided through employers for the most part. And you have an HR meeting once a year. The company rolls out maybe one or two, three options of benefits that you can choose from and they're explained to you, so you have very limited options to choose from, and you have an HR rep or benefits rep that's usually helping you with that, and then suddenly you turn 65, and your mailbox fills up with hundreds and hundreds of solicitations from all sorts of Medicare supplement companies, and you are so confused because you don't even understand Medicare itself yet. You go to a national health insurance program, which you can have on its own or you can pair with literally hundreds of options. And so I think a lot of people just sort of shut down when all that information comes to them and feel scared about making a mistake. So what's a good way to plan ahead so that you won't feel overwhelmed and terrified when all of the this advertising starts arriving on your doorstep, yeah. approximately six months before you turn 65. That's right. So first of all, just be aware that there's lists out there that these companies can buy of people turning 65. They know that you're going to be looking at this information. So around 64 and a half, you are going to start getting phone calls. You'll get mailers. You'll have emails come in. There's all types of ways that companies will market you. So um, don't be overwhelmed. You want to look through what's coming in the mail, and the things that you need to keep are the things that come directly from the federal government. So it'll say Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, your red, white, and blue Medicare card um, for some people who are already taking Social Security will arrive, and you maybe just can separate out anything that's related to an insurance company name. Um, That's the first thing is to realize that you're not alone and that this happens to many people, and there's great ways to dig through the information. 
I also would suggest that um, if you have not had an opportunity to learn about this with a parent, there's really no time that's too soon to do so because there's a lot of costs associated with Medicare. I'm sure some of those we'll talk about today. And if you would look into it, you know, at age 60 or 63, 64, give yourself a little bit of time to do some reading. Uh, Medicare has a wonderful website, uh, medicare.gov, where you can read the basics about the parts of Medicare. And then there's many other websites, community organizations and agent brokers like myself that also have informative websites where you can do a little bit of reading online ahead of time. You'll also find on Medicare's website there's videos that you can watch. And so depending on what type of learner you are, if you give yourself um, a head start, you'll be able to get some of the basics down, and then that's when you can maybe consult an expert whenever you're ready to move forward beyond that point, which will be a few months before you turn 65 is when you really want to be looking at, am I going to enroll in Medicare? Do I have group insurance that I can still keep through my employer? Is that going to coordinate with my Medicare insurance? Those will be some of the decisions that you're facing. So the more time that you can give yourself, the better. I always say it would be so great if there was a class that we could take at age 50 that says, hey, in 15 years you're going you're gonna to face this mountain of information and here's kind of the things you want to start thinking about. Um, and that doesn't happen for us, which is why so many people feel lost. That and I know from a few people I've talked with that it comes as a big surprise to people that Medicare is not free. That's so true. I think that because you get a paycheck that says there's a Medicare tax, we just assume that, hey, I've been being taxed for this my whole life, and it's going to pay for my Medicare. And it does pay for a portion of that, which is your Medicare Part A, but the Part B uh, costs, which run around $105 for most Americans and can be more than that for people who have higher incomes, can come as quite a shock to people. So if you aren't prepared for that, the learning that you do ahead of time might help you with when it's appropriate for you to retire. It's not unusual for us to talk with someone in that 63 to 65 window who is not expecting those expenses and makes the decision to actually stay working for a few extra years so they can prepare for what Medicare will cost them uh, during the retirement. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping to keep things um, very Simple and clear as we discuss this. So you just dis- you just mentioned Medicare Part A and Part mm-hmm. B. What's yes. Part A and what's Part B? And we should probably repeat that Part A is the free part. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> um, an interesting story. I work in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Our agency is here. And, of course, we have lots of big companies around here. And I had a gentleman from Lockheed come into my office some years ago and he had the Medicare and You handbook in his hand, and he came in, threw it down on the table during his appointment, and said, I consider myself a relatively smart person. I design aircraft for a living. I'm an aircraft engineer and aerospace engineer, and I have read this book, Medicare and You handbook, and I think I'm dumber than I was before. Like, I am so confused that these terms are all running together in my head, and, and being down on himself, because... He thinks of himself as relatively smart, but these terms are not things that people are used to. So the the best way to think about Part A and Part B for Medicare is back in the 60s when Medicare was designed, it was modeled after Blue Cross, and this is a standard Blue Cross and Blue Shield, which were two parts. There's hospital insurance and outpatient insurance. And Medicare follows that same model today, even though Blue Cross has moved on really to different types of the way they handle their coverage. Part A is your hospital insurance. So to simplify that, you want to think about hospital insurance as your room and board in the hospital. It's not everything that happens in the hospital. It's the bed that you're sleeping in, everything that comes with that, the meals that you're getting, the care from the nurses that are coming around and checking on you, and it's a semi-private room. Medicare Part A, which you're being taxed for during your working life, goes to pay for that. And included in that are a few other things that may happen in a hospital like blood transfusions or a transfer into hospice, um, a little bit of care that comes in the hospital setting. But for the most part, Part A, which is what you won't pay for as long as you or a spouse have worked 10 years in your lifetime in um, America, 40 quarters is what it takes, that Part A won't cost you anything when you get ready to access hospital benefits. 
the part so that you're I'm, going to use. I'm already learning something because okay. when somebody earlier tried to explain this to me, they just said Medicare Part A is the part that covers what happens when you go to the hospital. And ah. your list did not include, say, paying the surgeon who does the quadruple bypass operation. Mm-hmm. So, so that is really confusing because you would just assume that maybe I can just get away with Medicare Part A because I just want to make sure if something big ticket happens to me and I'm in a hospital that everything is going to be paid for. And actually, the Part A trust fund only pays for um, the things that I've mentioned and a few related items. So what you mentioned, a surgery, actually falls under Medicare Part B. And we call Medicare Part B outpatient. And to a certain extent, that term is correct in that it is going to be what covers lab work, doctor's visits, the kind of things that you and I traditionally think of as outpatient insurance. But it's also going to cover some things that might happen in a hospital, and these can be big ticket items. So surgeon's uh, fee, uh, your anesthesiologist that's taking care of you during surgery, any of the diagnostic imaging that might be necessary if there was an accident, like a CT scan, a PET scan, an MRI, all of those things. And then in addition to that, um, some very expensive items if you have a serious illness. So traditionally, chemotherapy, radiation, dialysis, those are all things that are covered by Medicare Part B. So really, although Part B is technically voluntary, it is an absolutely essential piece of any Medicare insurance that you're going to have. You really need to have both A and B to be insured um, basically for those big circle of things. Um, I also would comment that when you have um, A and B, this is going to provide the hospital and outpatient services. It provides your access to them, and Medicare is going going to pay for a portion of them. But you, just like on your current insurance, will have cost sharing in the forms of deductibles and coinsurance. So when we talk about Part B, Medicare is going to pay for roughly 80% of anything that falls under Part B, and you're going to be responsible for the other 20%. You also are responsible for a deductible if you go in the hospital, which currently is at $1,260. And can you tell me, Virginia, what do you think, uh, how long do you think it might take you to hit a $1,260 deductible if you went into the hospital? Less than a day for sure. For sure, for sure. So it's very important that people understand that just having the A and B is the base insurance. That's what we call traditional Medicare or or original Medicare. And then the cost sharing that you would pay um, can be quite expensive on some of those items. Like you mentioned an open heart surgery. If you have that kind of surgery, 20% of the cost of that can be a tremendous amount of money. And so that's why uh, there are plans out there like Medigap and Medicare Advantage plans to help fill in some of those um, blanks, the gaps in Medicare. Okay. So if you didn't have these other policies that we will get to talking about on this show, then you would have Medicare Part A for free, which covers your room and board in in the hospital and a little bit more, and Medicare Part B, which sounds very much like a traditional health insurance policy with a deductible and copayments. That's so correct. when you, when you're doing your retirement planning, you really need to expect to spend quite a bit of money each year on your health care on top of what you're paying for insurance. You absolutely should. That's right. And so you have to be aware that these deductibles and coinsurance are set by the federal government and you're going to be responsible for them unless you have some sort of assistance like Medicaid. So you do need to plan ahead of time for what you'll be spending on your Medicare Part B. And in addition, um, with original Medicare, when Medicare was designed, it didn't include, for over 50 years, it didn't include prescription benefits. So people would pay 100% out of pocket for all their medicines. Well, fortunately, in 2006, Part D came into play. And so to round out what you need with A and B, you also should have a standalone Part D drug plan Um, which also will have a premium associated with it that you'll pay for that basically gives you prescription insurance. And so all those pieces together form the base of your insurance, 
and you will have deductibles, coinsurance, and co-pays in addition to what you spend for the Medicare Part B and D itself. Do you have what I would call a success story of someone you actually did get to work with when the person was maybe 50 years old, so they had a long time to do advanced planning about Mm -hmm. Medicare and other aspects of retirement? Yes, we actually run into quite a few people in that scenario because they end up helping either their parents or sometimes we have a spouse situation. So one of them will age into Medicare at age 65 and perhaps the other spouse is 57, 58. They've got a few years ahead of time to plan. And so the people that I have found to be the most prepared are the ones that have actually had to do a little bit of management of mom and dad's care when they're in the hospital or when they're seeking care. The older generation of our World War II generation, which are the baby boomers' parents, those are actually going to be the people that um, have the most experience with what to be prepared for. So we have a gentleman here in Fort Worth that's been a client for many years, and when he uh, came into Medicare, his income actually is uh, pretty high, and so he is one of these people where instead of paying just the base amount for Part B, which again is around $105 a month for 95% of the population, Well, this gentleman was in a higher income bracket, and so what he pays for Part B is adjusted and costs him over $300 a month. So he actually learned all this at the time that he was going into um, his insurance, went ahead and decided to stay on his group plan because for his situation with his income, it actually was a little bit less expensive to do it that way. And later, a few years down the road, when he was finally ready to retire and his income would go down, making his part be less, he and his wife went into Medicare together at the time that she turned 65 and he was several years older. Well, the only reason he really was able to do that planning is that he was in a situation where he had the opportunity to continue to insure through work. So we we often suggest that people, um, in addition to doing your own research that you can do online, if, if a person out there happens to be someone that is in an HR capacity or you have access to meetings that occur at your company about Medicare, those are things that you want to participate in because you're going to learn all those things that my client learned on the fly and you can be better prepared on, on uh, deciding which route you're going to go, whether you choose Medicare as your primary insurance or if you have it coordinate with group insurance for a while or if you need a couple of years to save up for what you didn't expect to spend on Medicare when you got to that point. All right. We're going to be taking a break in a moment. I'm talking with Danielle Kunkel, and we'll come back and talk more about what initially sounds like it's got an awful lot of pieces and it's very confusing, but it is um, a, a piece, a lot of, it's information that you can learn to understand everybody almost everybody, can figure it out. And especially if you have help from a well-qualified insurance agent to help you make sense of it. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, Visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. 
The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radioshow at collinfamilymediationgroup.com. Now, back to Family Matters. Hi, I'm talking with Danielle Kunkel about Medicare. I'm Virginia Collin, your host. And we were beginning to talk about people who have a choice when they're approaching age 65 or they are 65. People who can, if they want, continue to be employed and continue to have health coverage through their employers. What were you saying about that, Danielle? In the previous segment, we kind of mentioned that the confusion a lot of times for people is they've been on this group insurance and they don't really know if they need Medicare or they should do Medicare. And in today's age, we have so many people that are working well past age 65. So the first thing to understand is that everyone is eligible for Medicare at age 65 as long as you've worked 40 quarters in your lifetime um, to qualify for Part A. And even if you haven't, a lot of times you can buy into Part A. So 65 is the magic number for when you become eligible for Medicare. And with so many people working longer today, a very, very common question that we get here is, I'm still working, I have group insurance at work, and do I need Medicare? Should I keep my group insurance? Which one's more expensive or less expensive? Do I need to have both? And those are one of the uh, kind of a big myriad of questions surrounding the group insurance that people have when they're turning 65. And so um, I could give a couple of examples, I think, that will help illustrate what people might want to consider. If you are, excuse me, working uh, for a large company, which most people are working for those type of companies, age, um, sorry, 20 people or more, if you are still actively working, you have access to that insurance like any other person. Now, your employer cannot make you leave and go on to Medicare. This is entirely your decision. But you can choose to enroll in Medicare and have those two benefits coordinate to give you more coverage. So your employer insurance is going to be your primary insurance if that company you work for has 20 or more people. And you will want to be looking at what does my employer insurance cost me uh, every month? How much do I pay out of my paycheck for the coverage that I have? And if I were to voluntarily leave that insurance and elect Medicare instead and add a supplemental policy and a Part D plan, would that be cheaper for me? Would it provide me with better coverage? So it's going to take um, you getting some information from your benefits people about what you pay every month out of your paycheck for your insurance and then determining which one will be a better fit for you. So just recently, um, I worked with a, a company here in the Dallas area that actually had about nine people who were approaching age 65 and trying to figure this out. And so I very commonly go out and do presentations at companies like this and help people understand all about Medicare like we're doing here. And this particular company had a $500 deductible group plan, which is actually really low. There's so many people out there today with thousands of dollars deductibles in their work plan. And the insurance was provided 100% paid for by the company. Oh, my gosh. scenario, yes, rich, rich benefits. So in that scenario, um, what I was able to explain to those people is, you really don't have any motivation to go on Medicare and pay $105 for Part B and then pay for a supplement and a Medigap or Medicare Part D plan on top of that because you have excellent insurance at work 
and you really don't have a need to add the Part B um, because your deductible is so low. And let me kind of explain how that works. When you have Medicare uh, Parts A and Part, Part B and a company insurance that pays first, if your deductible is only $500 a year, there's really no point in you spending $105 a month or $1,200 a year for Medicare uh, to pay 80% of a $500 deductible that you maybe won't even hit. So in that scenario, when someone has really rich insurance that's not costing them a lot, they don't necessarily need Part B, and they can actually delay and wait to enroll in that later on uh, whenever they leave work, and they will uh, not have any penalty for waiting if they have maintained credible insurance with a company. So if that would be delay, one example. Pause, pause just a second. If they delay sure. enrolling in Part B, does that mean they must also delay enrolling in Part A? Great question. And the answer on that is no. So with Part A, it doesn't cost you anything. So there's only a few exceptions out there why someone wouldn't go ahead and just enroll in Part A and let it coordinate with their group insurance. When Part A coordinates with group insurance, all that means is that Medicare is going to limit your deductible in the hospital to $1,260. So if your group plan has a deductible higher than that, let's say it's 3000 and you go in the hospital, you're going to only pay 1260 because Part A is going to step in and pay the difference between 1260 and 3000 for you. Since your Part A is already paid for, you've paid for it your whole working life, it does not, um, there's no benefit to you not to have it coordinating with your group insurance. If you have a plan like the previous one we were talking about with a $500 deductible, your deductible, you're going to hit that before you even have the Medicare Part A. But again, it's not hurting you to have Part A, so there's no reason not to have it active. The only main reason why people today might sometimes not do Part A would be if your group insurance is a high-deductible health plan with a coordinating health savings account. There are some IRS rules about that you can't contribute into an HSA um, if you actually have any part of Medicare active. So if you have that type of insurance, you definitely want to work with a benefits professional to help you decide which parts of Medicare you're going to enroll in. But if you're like most companies out there, which is your traditional 80-20 coinsurance plan at work, having Part A that you're not paying anything for anyway can be to your benefit. There's really no reason not to enroll. Okay. When I interrupted you, you were going to tell me about uh, someone else or a different situation yeah. where... Go ahead. You bet. So let's take another situation and say, which is actually the one we run into more often. Let's say you have a group insurance plan at work and you're paying about $250 a month for it. You know, they deduct $125 out of each paycheck um, and the deductible is $5,000. In that scenario, you're spending quite a bit of money for your group insurance, and you still have a lot of exposure for a big deductible. Well, if we have Part A coordinate, which we mentioned already, it's going to limit that deductible to 1260 on the hospital side of things. But do we want to spend $105 a month to have Part B um, coordinate? Well, in that scenario, yeah, actually having the $105 a month spending is going to limit what you're going to spend because if you have deductible spending up to 5000 anything that is a Part B service, Medicare will pay 80% of that for you. But really in that scenario, you can also look at leaving the group plan and moving over on to Medicare. And so what that would look like is Medicare Part A is paid for. Your Medicare Part B for most people is around $105. And then you can add supplemental coverage, relatively low cost, that will provide you first dollar coverage, meaning that you have no deductible whatsoever. So you're going to be spending about the same amount of money, $250 a month, but you're going to eliminate that $5,000 deductible, and you won't have to pay uh, any more coinsurance if you have a traditional Medigap Plan F, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a few minutes. Your coverage is going to be richer, and it's actually going to cost you less than the group insurance. And so these are the types of questions that a lot of people face when they're turning 65 and still working. And uh, you really have to work through those numbers on both sides to determine what's going to be the best route for you at the best price. Great. 
I would like to ask you to do a quick review of what Medicare Part B does cover and then talk okay. start begin to tell people about why they might want some supplemental coverage beyond that. Okay. Sure. So Medicare Part B has an annual deductible of $147. So the first appointment that you go uh, for the year, whether it's a lab service or a doctor's visit, the claim will be processed, $147 bill will be sent to you by the provider, and the rest will be covered by Medicare at 80% for the rest of the year. So you'll go in and have a doctor visit if you have lab work done, if you have diagnostic testing of any kind done, surgeries, and also some of the more expensive ticket items that we talked about if there's a serious illness, things like um, injections or chemotherapy, radiation, dialysis, some of those big ticket items, durable medical equipment, all of these things, Medicare is going to pay 80%, and you're going to be left with the other 20%. And this actually doesn't sound so bad because we're used to doing the 80-20 thing with group insurance, but the difference with Medicare is that on your group insurance, they have what's called an out-of-pocket maximum, which means if the 20% that you're paying reaches a certain level, say 5000 or 7000 or whatever that out-of-pocket maximum is on your group insurance, after that point, the insurance plan has to pay 100% for the rest of the year. And that's important because if you go in and have a quadruple bypass and the surgery is $250,000, you need a stop loss so that maybe what you only spend is seven or 10 or whatever that out-of-pocket maximum is. With Medicare, the 20% goes on forever. There's no end in sight. There's no cap for you. So if you have Medicare A and B and that same scenario, we go in and have a very expensive surgery, Medicare is going to pay its share, um, and it will be paid at Medicare's negotiated rates. So the quadruple bypass isn't actually going to be billed at 250000 but it will still be many tens of thousands of dollars. You would owe 20% of that. And so for that reason, uh, people have the opportunity to pick up supplemental insurance and there's a great number of options for people today. So if you have uh, income that you can use for that, you can pick up a Medigap plan, which does exactly what it sounds like it does. It's going to pay for those gaps. It will pay for the 20%. Um, it, some of them, depending on the plan that you choose, could pay your deductibles in the hospital and your outpatient deductible of 147 a year. And the plans are relatively affordable. Uh, for someone turning 65 here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we often can find uh, Plan F or Plan G, which are two popular Medigap plans, for around $130 to $150 a month. And when you pair that with Medicare, you will go to the doctor and you'll pay nothing. You have an MRI, you could pay nothing. You go in for a specialist visit, you pay nothing. You have an open heart surgery, you pay nothing. So that type of coverage is really almost unheard of for us before age 65. We are always used to having some cost sharing, but a Medigap plan, as they're currently available, can pick up those very first dollar of coverage and be quite thorough. And also, no matter which company you buy the insurance from, you can use it at any provider in the nation that accepts Medicare, which currently is around 91% of all uh, physicians out there actually work with Medicare. So you have a huge, huge network of um, doctors and hospitals that you can access that care from. And that's another option to consider as opposed to your group insurance. Um, If it's affordable for you and the deductible is going to be low, if you have somebody with, say, some health conditions that's causing them to spend quite a bit of a deductible at work, then this will be uh, an option for them that might actually lower their out-of-pocket expenses for deductibles and coinsurance. If I shopped for a policy like that outside of Medicare, I'm guessing that my eligibility, the, the, how much I would have to pay for it would depend on what the condition of my health was. Is that no longer true because yeah, of Obamacare, or, and is it different for Medicare? Okay, great. Uh, let me kind of address both of those questions. With Medicare, uh, it has always been the case that your pre-existing conditions don't matter. So when you turn 65 and you go into Medicare A and B, you have what's called an open enrollment period, which is starts on the day that you activate your Part B insurance and goes for six months. And during that time, you have the right to buy a Medigap policy from any insurance carrier that you want, any plan that you want with no health underwriting. So you could literally be um, 
and, and this has actually happened at our agency where someone has come into the office in a wheelchair with an IV attached to their arm and enrolling in Medicare, and they are fully covered even though they're quite sickly. This is your opportunity to enroll in a plan without any exclusions or waiting periods, and you will have that coverage right from day one, and that's your right to buy. And if are they eligible during, for the Medigap plans at the, sa- at the same way? Well, that um, yes. So Medicare itself, you have, you're going to enroll and you have that right away, but the six-month window that I uh, mentioned that starts with your first day on Part B, that's actually your open enrollment window for the Medigap. So you have oh, okay. six months to enroll in a plan um, without fear of any uh, exclusions or rate-ups or anything for health. And even if you missed that window and you were going to apply and then you had to answer health questions, they can turn you down if you have a serious health condition and they don't have to insure you after that open enro- enrollment window is done. But if they do accept you, you pass the underwriting questions, Um, They cannot rate you up for any health conditions that you do have at that time. You're going to pay a rate that's based on what everyone else of the same gender, zip code, and tobacco use is paying in that same area where you live. So the rates are never going to be based on health conditions. They're going to be based on area and factors like gender and smoker, you know, tobacco use. That's surprising. That's very surprising Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, it's actually great. And if you think about it, it really kind of has to be that way because one of the things that Medicare was designed to fix is that were people literally working into their 80s and 90s because they desperately needed to keep their health insurance because we didn't have suitable and affordable coverage for people after they retired prior to Medicare's advent in 1965. And so if you you provided Medicare but then the supplemental insurance, if you were sick, you just couldn't get it, this would lead to the same problem. People working way past um, the ability for them to work anymore, trying to keep group insurance. And so you have to have that window provided under federal legislation so that everyone has a fair crack at getting the insurance right at age 65. And uh, this was this is how it's been even before Obamacare. Um, so actually the Affordable Care Act, if you have Medicare, you generally are not eligible for an Affordable Care Act plan. So um, the pre-existing conditions are really no more a part of either type of insurance. I see. I have a question about that, the, about eligibility. You mentioned okay. working at least 40 quarters sometime during your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what if someone was a stay-at-home parent during the years when there were children at home and then mm-hmm. just never got a job afterwards? What if somebody... Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. You got it. That does happen. It's a great question because this has been um, very common in in decades. It's still happening today where people always worked at home. If you are married or were married for at least 10 years to someone that was working, you are able to claim under their benefits. So if you were watching the kids at home while your husband was working or vice versa, you you can still qualify for Medicare Part A premium free at age 65. If you were never married to someone and you didn't pay in, uh, you can still purchase Medicare. Uh, You would have an opportunity to purchase Part A, but it would be pretty expensive. It runs over $400 a month if you don't have the quarters to support it. Got it. All right. We've covered a lot of ground, and we still need to talk about the annual election period when you can change your Medicare coverage once a year every year, right? (laughs) And we're just about to go to break, so I'm just mentioning what we're going to come back and talk about. The annual election period and maybe a little more on supplemental policies. And then Part D, we haven't talked about Part D, which has to do with paying for your prescription medicines. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. 
Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at com. Now, back to Family Matters. Today on Family Matters, we're taking the mystery out of Medicare. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, and my guest is Danielle Kunkel, whom you can find online at boomerbenefits.com. So before break, we were saying a little about, I just mentioned actually, the annual election period. When does that come? Why does that come? What's that all about? (laughs) Okay. Let me kind of just talk about why the AEP was created. The annual election period uh, came about as part of Part D, which we mentioned came about in 2006. And that is a time when you can make a change to your drug plan and or Medicare Advantage plan. So, so far we've talked about Medigap, we've talked about Part A and B, and we have yet to get into um, Part C and D, which is Medicare Advantage plans and Part D drug plans. So the annual election period uh, starts on October 15th and runs through December 7th. And you'll get all sorts of mail in your mailbox, and you'll see TV ads uh, from carriers 100 times a day, and you'll start thinking, wow, am I supposed to be doing something? The first thing to feel good about if you are someone that has a Medicare supplement or Medigap plan is nothing is changing with that plan. The annual election period is not related to those. So you don't have to do anything about your, your Medigap plan if you're happy with it. What the annual election period allows you to do is to enroll in a drug plan or change your drug plan. And that's because Medicare Part D is voluntary. You do not have to enroll in a Medicare Part D drug plan. If you decide that you're not taking any medications or your medications are so inexpensive that you don't feel like you want to have a Part D drug plan to help pay for your prescriptions, you are not required to. However, if you don't have a drug plan and you wait to enroll, later on down the road you enroll, there is a late enrollment penalty which can make your drug plan more expensive at that point. More importantly is that let's say you get sick in the middle of the year and you have a very expensive medication that is prescribed to you. Now you don't have a Part D drug plan and you cannot get into one until the fall annual election period. So the time period from October 15th to December 7th is really very important because that is your opportunity to enroll in a drug plan if you didn't get one before and you really need one now. And it's also your opportunity to change your drug plan. So if you enrolled in one drug plan and your needs have changed or that drug plan has had a rate increase, you will get a letter from your current drug plan carrier in September telling you the changes in copays and um, costs for the following year. 
and you can change from one company to another during that period. So it is important for you to take a look at your Part D drug coverage during that time and determine if you need to make any changes. And you will have an opportunity to review that letter that the carrier sends you and say, wow, what are my options? You can go online to Medicare.gov and use their prescription drug finder tool to type your medications in and get a list of other plans that would be appropriate for you or affordable for you. If you're working with an agent, that agent can do that for you and help you enroll in a plan. I would like to say one thing about the Part D coverage that I try to fit in in every conversation is lots of people say, why do I need that? I'm not taking very many medications, and I don't want to pay $15 or $30 or $50 for a drug plan when I don't take very many medications. Um, The annual election period exists to protect the insurance company because if everyone could wait until they got sick and then just buy a drug plan, the insurance companies would all go belly up. So by implementing an annual election period, it forces people to think about, hey, you know, if I don't enroll in a plan, I might not have insurance at the time that I need it. And every year we see some people who do that. So I have a lady here at our agency that was perfectly healthy when she first enrolled with us. We explained to her how Part D works and why it's so important to have coverage because you can't just enroll in at any time. You have to wait for the annual election period. And a few years ago, uh, she called us in September and said, well, I think I've made a mistake. You know, you tell me every year that this is the reason why I should think about a Part D drug plan, and I haven't wanted to have one, and now I've been diagnosed with leukemia. And her doctor had prescribed her a medication that worked out to roughly uh, $300 per pill. So the cost of this medicine was somewhere in the neighborhood of five fifty six hundred dollars a month, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And wow. so it was life-saving medication, and she needed it. And so she actually spent over $20,000 between September and the end of December to have that medication because she didn't enroll in a drug plan that could have helped her pay for it. And I never think it's, a, it's not a good idea for anyone to uh, have scare tactics in the insurance world. The chances of that happening, as we know, are low. However, the cost of a drug plan in many states can be as low as around $15 a month. So you do want to think about the fact that it's insurance, and it's going to insure you for medications that may be more expensive than what you're currently taking. So you want to have all those facts in front of you and then make the best decision for you as to whether you feel like it would be good to have a drug plan in place for yourself. But be aware that the annual election period can work against you if you end up with a health condition like that. What if it was February and she had had to pay that from February all the way to December? Um, The drug plan has a catastrophic coverage limit that, that is federally mandated. So anyone that has a Part D drug plan, the maximum that they can spend currently would be uh, $4,700 before that plan would have to kick in thereafter and pay 95% of the cost of the drugs for the rest of the year. So having one can really provide you some peace of mind for needs that you may develop later. Yeah, that sounds really important. So if I'm getting this right, the annual election period in Medicare is very much like an open enrollment period that you might have with an employer, but the annual election period is just for making changes in Medicare Part D. It's It doesn't affect Part A or Part B. Is that correct? That's right. And uh, it doesn't affect A or B and is also the time, though, that you can change your Medicare Advantage plan. So, uh, the Medicare so let's go plan. with that. What's a Medicare yeah. Advantage plan? <laughs> yeah, those we haven't talked about yet, and I know we only have a few minutes left, but let me just briefly touch on uh, how that works. One of the things about Medigap is not everybody could afford to spend $150 or more per month on a Medigap plan at age 65. Depending on your finances, you may find that not affordable. And so what was happening is you would have people just having Medicare, and then, of course, they end up with an expensive surgery and they're facing uh, some catastrophic medical bills. So the Balanced Budget Act created Medicare Advantage plans, which basically are very similar to employer group plans. These are plans which, if you enroll in them, instead of having your doctor bill Medicare, you're going to have your doctor bill this particular plan. And the plan has to cover all the same services that A and B provide to you, but you agree to use that company's network of doctors. And most of the plans, these are going to be, for the most part, most of them are HMO or PPO style plan. So you're going to make sure your doctor is on the network. 
and you're going to have a copay that you pay when you go to see that doctor, and maybe you have a copay for lab work or a copay for surgery. And this type of plan uh, can often cost quite a bit less than a Medigap plan because Medicare pays the Advantage company to provide your services. And then the Advantage company takes on all the risk, whether they don't know if you're going to be healthy or not healthy and what they're going to spend, but they're going to get paid X dollars a month by Medicare to provide these benefits for you. And in some cases, uh, there are HMO plans in many counties that have premiums as low as zero. And people say, well, how could this be free? Well, it's not free. It's that Medicare is paying the Advantage company on your behalf to roll out your A and B benefits. And so, of course, that Advantage company is going to price themselves as low as possible to try to attract your business. The way that it looks for you on your end is that you enroll in this plan. You're going to use a network of doctors, probably very similar to what you've been used to doing before you had Medicare. You'll pay copays as you go along. And then once a year, if you're unhappy with that plan, you can make a change during the annual election period, just like you can with Part D. And is this also protected? Nobody can deny you the opportunity to enroll just because you're already sick? I'm so glad that you asked that question. The great thing about Medicare Advantage is there's only one health question, and that question is, do you have end-stage renal disease, which means kidney failure, you're on dialysis, or awaiting a transplant? That is the only health condition that will bar you from getting Medicare Advantage coverage. So you could have any other health condition under the sun, and if it's in the annual election period, you can That's enroll amazing. that plan to start January 1st. Yeah. We've covered uh, these different pieces of Medicare, and um, I'm aware that these type of questions are so common with Medicare, and there's a lot more to all the different pieces um, that we talked about today. But please know that if you put a little research in online, there's great information out there that you can find. Start with the Medicare.gov website. Do a little research there. If you want additional assistance, um, you can also reach out online. Um, our agency is at www.boomerbenefits.com, and we'd be more than happy to answer questions for anyone out there that has burning Medicare questions. We're coming to the end of the show now, and I want to say thank you to my guest, Danielle Kunkel. You can find her online at boomerbenefits.com, and I think she's done a great job describing Medicare Part A, Part B, Part D, Medicare Advantage plans, Medigap plans. It was really more than I could keep track of while I was listening to it. You might need to play the show again. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Collin next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 